I welcome you back this morning as you join us again. Since we were together last week, I hope you've had a wonderful week. Today, if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 1 as we jump off into our Thanksgiving series. I think the Lord will have a great message in store for you today. In the beginning is a story of the creation account. I just want to kind of jump in the middle of it, if we can, and uh, right down to the, in your Bible, if you'll go with me to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Let's read there. It says, And then God said, That's a good line, isn't it? God said, Let us, At us there is interesting, but I won't deviate from my message to preach on that. Let us make man in our image. Underline that in your Bible. According to our own likeness, let us make man. And he created him in the image of God. And he created them male and female. And then God blessed them. Would you circle that in your Bible? God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Well, that's one commandment. Most people hadn't broke, amen? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth. Every tree whose fruit contains seed, the food will be for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything that has breath of life in it, I have given. Every green plant for food. And it was so. So God saw that all that he had made was very good. And the evening came and the morning of the sixth day. Now, if you will, skip with me down to chapter 2 and verse 4. Now, these are the records of the heavens and the earth that were created. And then in verse 7 it says, And then the Lord God formed. That means there was no form. It was formless. So he formed man out of the dust of the earth from the ground. And then he breathed the breath of life. Underline that in your Bible. That phrase, the breath of life, into his nostrils, and man became a living being. Now, before you t- tune me out here, because I know you've heard a, a, a whole lot more, a whole lot greater preachers wax eloquently over the creation account than I probably will this morning, but I, I believe there's something I want to share with you that has a unique perspective. Because where do you stop? You know, I mean, we could jump into this over creationism and, you know, I mean, boy, that's a debate that's been raging forever. You know, and then not only, do, it's, it's, it's raging amongst believers. You know, I mean, does, does, uh, does, does it, you know, was it six literal days or was, you know, is that like 6,000 years? You know, because a day is a thousand years of the Lord and we can debate that all day. But, but, and, 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 and I have my belief that I'm very emphatic upon, but that's not what I want to look at this morning. Let's go a little bit further. And, and, and we, we, you can't even get theologians to agree. Matter of fact, just this week, the, you know, the new pope, he waited off in the middle of the controversy. You know, and he said uh, that really he doesn't believe in the Genesis creation account. 
like in the book of Genesis. You know, and that the biblical account is parallel with the Big Bang Theory. And we, we could talk about that, and I, I could preach hot and heavy on that, but that's, that's not where I want to exert all my energy this morning. And, and you know, we, we have these statements that, that people believe, and, and, and they, 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 what, what, what man is trying to do is say, how can I be okay with the world and okay with God and have peace and harmony, love and contentment, and everybody be warm and fuzzy, and we just all go to heaven? And see, the thing about that is, that may make good political sense, but it's not good theology. For Jesus said, I didn't come to draw a crowd. I come to set a sword. Well, that's a tough saying, isn't it? What it means is, we looked the other day, that the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. That it's so sharp it can divide the, the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. That's one sharp knife. And so when we dive into this, Man, we could get hung up here for a while. But, but here's, what I, here's where I believe that we need to begin to be thankful. Where God said, let us create man in our image. There's the first place of the beginning. That we were created in the image of God. What's the first thing that we give account for? Well, the first thing that we ought to celebrate for is that we weren't made in the image of anything other than God himself. We should be thankful for the essence of God. The essence of God. What does that mean, preacher? The essence of God. Well, when we think about that, let, let me share with you the definition of what es essence means. The basic, real, and invariable nature of someone or something. It's significant individual feature or features. The, the significant characteristics that that allow them to be defined who they are or what they are is what the essence is. So the thing that I want you to understand this morning is that the essence of God is far greater than just His image. For the image of God is just the starting point. Matter of fact, let's look at what the definition of image means. Amen? I mean, we could go and look at it, what it means in Hebrew, and we could dive deep into that. But let's just look at what it means in our English language. Amen? How about that? So here's what it says. An image is a physical likeness, a representation of a person, an animal, or a thing, a counterpart, or an appearance, or reflection, or semblance. What does God look like? No man knows because God told Moses. He said, when Moses wanted to see God, he said, Moses, no man can see me and live. He said, but I'll show you the, my glory as it passes by. The backside of my glory. The full glory of God would be so overwhelming, it would consume man in a moment. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, but I can tell you what God, the characteristics of, is a little bit like us. Now, when we know that all men look differently, amen, some of us have curly hair, some of us have uh, uh, wavy hair, straight hair, black hair, blonde hair, red hair, no hair. Okay, so characteristics physically can be a little bit different. I mean, look around the room. There's all kind of different colors of the, of the pigmentation of skin. Different ethnicities. But all of them bear in their body the likeness, the semblance, the physical representation of God's image. So my brothers and sisters, what I want you to understand is that the essence of God begins with the image of God. 
The essence of God is the, the whole thing. The essence of His power. The essence of His divine attributes. The essence of His splendor. The essence of His sovereignty. The essence of His majesty. Begins with His image. What is His image? We know that His image is holy. We know that His image is purity. We know that in God there is no sin. Now we know that theologians can't agree on God. Matter of fact, God in the generic sense is okay. It's that Jesus business. I mean, you can get away with talking about God. Because it's plural. It's not offensive. Well, my God's Allah. My God's Buddha. My God's this. My God's that. I mean, in India, there's over uh, hundreds of thousands of gods they worship. See, people don't mind saying, I'll serve God, because they take their view of Yahweh God, and they put him with their view of every other God. So God's plural is, well, I just put him with all my demigods, and then all gods are happy. But when you mention the name of Jesus, it draws a line in the sand and say, you're no longer talking about God generically, but you are talking about the one, the true, the holy God. The essence of God. Let us make man in our image. Here's the thing that I want you to understand. I mean, here's a good illustration. One day these two scientists, you know, they were having trouble. They were having trouble. Trying to reconcile evolution with creation. And they were on the losing end of the battle because common sense says that if man evolved from a monkey, then why isn't monkeys still becoming humans? And so they were struggling with that common sense factor. Well, we can figure this out. They said, we'll just make our own man. And so these two scientists for themselves went out there to the field and they took a shovel and a bucket and about the time they stuck the, the shovel in the dirt, the soil, to plop it in the bucket, a voice came from heaven and said, get your own dirt. Some of you will get that at lunch. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Get your own dirt. You see, they had everything but the dirt. God said, if you're going to make man the way I did, you have to have your own dirt. Get your own dirt. And so when we begin to connect these dots, what I want you to understand something, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is that the world attacks the image of God because it represents the holiness of God, the divinity of God, the righteousness of God, the sovereignty of God. And the problem is they don't want to be made in the image of God because in the image of God is all things. And by Him all things exist that were created in Him, for Him, and through Him is what the Bible teaches in the New Testament. And by Him all things exist. But oh, my friends, I want you to know, the world wants you to think that you were made in the image of something else. The Bible says that you were made in the likeness of God. Now, to make sure that the theologians could understand it, now, us simple-minded folks can get it. Because if you go back in the creation story, it just simply says that all the birds were created in their own likeness. The animals were created in their own likeness. But when it came to man, they were not created in the own likeness. They were created in the likeness of a divine, holy God. God loved us so much that he said, I want you to be just like me. Wow. Now, I know there are similar physical attributes that are the same. Matter of fact, not long ago, uh, there was these children that we've been ministering to for quite some time. Their mother became ill. And so Ashley and I went to see their mother in the hospital. And I had never met the mother before. But I didn't have to ask if I was in the right room. Because when I went in the room, the mother 
was the spitting image of the daughters. Not just one, not just two, but three daughters. I didn't have to say, is this so-and-so's room? I knew I was in the right room because they were dead to right, her kids. And so when we think about this, we know there's those physical attributes that are similar. But when we look around the world, well, all around us, there, our attributes are a little bit different. But what's the, the, the essence of a person, the image of a person, runs deeper than how they look in the mirror. Amen. Let me give you a good example. Have you ever heard this statement? Boy, you acting just like your daddy. Girl, you acting just like your mama. You better cut that out. Oh, you may not have heard it because you probably said it. Because there's times that the image, the characteristics are not just physical, but they're inward. They're inward. Now, when we, when we think about this, I've, I've met people in my life that have a sibling that I've never met because they, they live far apart. And for the majority of their adult life, they've only intermingled between holidays and occasional trips. But you know what's interesting about that? Is when you get those two guys together, how much alike they are. I mean, they, 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 they may not hardly ever see each other, but the way they, their gestures are even similar. Their mannerisms are similar. Why? That's the likeness. It's something that took place inherently in their DNA. It has nothing to do with location where they live or physical attributes. It runs deeper. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to know what we can be thankful for is that we are not made in the image of the devil, but we're not made in the image of an angel. Let me just stop right there. God did not make us in the image of an angel. God did not make us in the image of Satan. And it says of Lucifer there was no more beautiful creation than Lucifer. He made us in his own image. Now that's something to be excited about today. His image, his, his image, his birthmark. Wow. Let us create man in our own image. Now man tries to figure out how can I reconcile the ideologies of secularism with the principle of the infallible word of God. And they find themselves in a predicament. Kind of like the two scientists earlier. Realizing they're on the losing end of the argument. You know, I mean, it's just simplicity. You, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. I mean, it, it's simple things like, well, why aren't they still evolving? Okay, I want to believe in that. Teach me that. Why aren't they still evolving? I mean, can I tell you, if they were still evolving, there'd be a camera on them today. Amen? And so when we think about these characteristics, understand that it goes deeper so man tries to reconcile to be okay with the world and right with heaven matter of fact the, 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 I'm not picking on the Pope but he was in the news today he was bold enough to come out and say a new theology that he believes in so here's, what, here's the interesting thing that he found himself in he says God doesn't have a magic wand that he just makes things happen and I would agree with him he doesn't need a magic wand because he has his voice amen the Bible says he spoke things into existence he spoke it he said let there be light and he didn't call the power company. Amen. Though earth was formless and void, he separated it with his, with his voice. Now, now but here's, here's an interesting thing. Let me just give you an example of how when you try to reconcile secularism and modern belief and, 
and, and philosophy, when you try to reconcile man's philosophy with the divinity of God, you end up in trouble. Because he said there's no way the creation account of Genesis could happen because he's not necessarily a magician. Chapter 1 of Genesis. You with me? Stay with me one second. Let's run over here a few thousand years later. Matthew chapter 1. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, 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 if you ever needed a magic wand to make something happen, I mean, come on. I mean, a, a virgin having a baby being conceived with the son of God. So if he has the power to have the immaculate conception, but not the power of creation. Now, now I'm not trying to... I'm just making a simple statement that you better make sure you stay anchored off to the Word of God and not try to mingle philosophy and all of that with the Word of God. They don't go together. They're water and oil. They separate. So let's move a little bit further. The image of God. God says, I want you to be made in my image. And so today when you're struggling with depression and you don't know what to do and you're so overwhelmed, I want you to know something, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that you have the very image of God. You have the very nature of God, the very power of God that is at work within you that wants to rise up. That's why Paul said, every time I want to do good, evil abounds. It's within us to do want, want to do right, but it's also within us to want to do wrong. I mean, even from the very first humans, God gave them a choice. Don't eat of that tree. The very nature, the divine nature, the nature of humanity, the fallen humanity. And what God is doing is this, is he's reconciling them two together. See, not only is he giving us this image. Let me just read this scripture for you real quickly. I, I love this passage of scripture. It's in the book of Psalms, chapter 139. Listen to what it says. You made all the delicate and inner parts of my body. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so fearfully and wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is so marvelous, well I know it. Man, when we think about this, go a little bit further. You watched me as I was formless in utter seclusion and darkness. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day ever passed. What a scripture. The whole debate today, you know, about... About abortion, I'm not trying to pick on hot topics, but is when it, when does life begin? That's when you can take it. Well, this passage of scripture says, "When there was no form, I was already there." Before you started, well, I wasn't even the size of a pea, and my nature was already there. God, your nature, you were there. You were in the womb, Lord. My days were numbered. You ordained them before I ever lived one. So when we think about this, it goes a little bit further. I use all my time just on the image of God because that's an overwhelming thought. But the second thing that he gives us is not only just the image of God, but he gives us something else. He gives us authority. Matter of fact, look with me if you would at verse 26b in your Bible of chapter 1. When you go back and look at that, it says he gives authority. He has given, past tense. 
He don't have to give it to us today because in the beginning, when God created man in his own image, that's something to be thankful for. Can I get a witness? Amen. I mean, I mean would you rather be made in the image of God or the image of a monkey? Amen. I, I mean, that's not something to have to debate. Amen. And so he says right here very clearly and eloquently, he says he's given us authority. Authority. Now, it's one thing to have authority, but not really have the power to do anything. I was talking to somebody recently. And they had the, they had the right, they had like, people were looking to them saying, I'm giving you the authority to do something, but they didn't give them the resources to go with it. What did he give them the authority over? Everything. Look at it in your Bible. He gave them dominion is what the word says. Dominion. What does dominion mean? Well, I, let's just be simple-minded here this morning and look it up. Amen. Dominion simply means the power, the right, or the governing authority. God created man in his own image. It said, now I want to give you the dominion. I want to give you the right to rule over it. All of mankind. All of mankind. He didn't go down to the, to the pasture and look at the cow and say, now I want you to have the ruling authority over my creation. He gave man dominion. The problem in our world is the authority issue. What was Satan's problem? It wasn't that he wasn't good at what he, he did. The Bible says of Satan that he was the worship leader of all the sons of God in heaven. and It says that his body would exude music in the, in the, in the Old Testament. Wasn't his, 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 the problem was the authority. He didn't want to deal with the authority of God. He didn't want to, to, to obey. He didn't want to submit. God has given the authority to man to be over all creation. Now man's trading in the authority of God and allowing creation to be the one dictating what happens. Well, let's move on. That's another now here's the interesting thought. Stay with me for one moment. Authority. He gave the physical man authority over all creation. The book of, I think it's the book of Romans, he talks about the first Adam. The first Adam he gave authority over all creation. Come over here after the cross of Calvary, he gave us authority over not just the creation. But the authority and the power of the resurrection works inside of us. Therefore, we have authority, spiritual authority, not just governing authority in this realm, but we have spiritual authority. Our authority is not in this world. Our authority is banked in the resources of heaven and Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher of our salvation, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of God the Father is what it says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13. Amen. I mean, when we're connecting these dots right here, great things are, I mean, Hebrews chapter 12, great things are happening. I mean, he's given authority here, then in the spiritual dynamic, for those who've been born again, he's given spiritual authority. I mean, just read the New Testament. He I mean, the, the, the disciples came back and they were, they were perplexed that the spirits obeyed them. They were perplexed that they were able to heal people. They were perplexed of all the things that happened. And then Jesus looked at that 
ragamuffin crowd. And he said, even greater things you'll be able to do when I return to the Father. Somebody told me one time, preacher, that's blasphemy. To think that we, you could do greater things than Jesus. Well, ask any parent. Would you rather be successful or see your kids successful? You're not doing it on your own because you can't have that kind of power on your own. So Jesus, working through the Holy Spirit, whew, mercy, that's a preaching fit right there, works within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, the essence of God. Not just what you see in the mirror. Not just the reflective image that this is what God looks like. The essence of God working inside of us through God the Father, through the Holy, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. God is on His throne working in our hearts and lives. He's given us the authority. He gave us the blessing. Now, here's the difference. He said, you have the authority to go out and rule over stuff, and then I'm going to give you the resources to back up your authority. Look, if you will, in your Bible. In the next verse, in verse 28. I mean, he just listed out. He says, everything that's been created, God blessed them. I didn't make this up. I mean, it's right, right there. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Well, there's a commandment not many people have broken. Amen. Be fruitful and multiply. Feel the earth. Subdue it. That word subdue, do you know what it means? Have authority over. Control. Reign in. Subdue it. Rule it. The fish, the sea, the birds, the sky. The Everything. The trees, the bushes. It's been made for you and for your pleasure. Now, not only did he give us the blessing to go with the authority that goes with the image, but he gave us something else. He gave us life. Genesis 2.7 says he created us from the dust and he breathed into the nostrils. So here's what he says. <clears throat> because basically this is what's happening in Genesis 1 and then Genesis 2 says, he went down there and picked up the dust, breathed into it. He gives an account in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, it's a picture of the, the, the working, the forming, the fashioning of what was formless, making form to it. And so here's what he's saying right here. He says, I, I, I took this dust and I made man in my own image. And before I ever created him, I wanted him to have the right to rule and have authority. So therefore, because I have this great plan for him, I'm going to give him life. And he breathed into his nostrils. And man came alive. Man came to life. With the very breath of God. See, God necessarily doesn't take life. Sometimes he just quits giving it because he is the giver of life. The breath. The breath. Now, we could talk about in Hebrew what that means, but you pretty much know, amen? The very blowing into you. The, the resonating inside of you. So he gave us his image. He gave us authority. He gave us the blessing. He gave us life. And he gave us provision. To make sure that man has everything he needs to rule, reign, and worship, I'm going to give him the provision. And he says all the animals, all the trees, all the bushes, they're there. For your pleasure. 
Today, God is wanting to provide for you the very thing you need to give you victory in the life He's already given you. So we've gone through this sermon this morning. It is an overwhelming thought. I just get bogged down thinking about being made in the image of God. And I just want to encourage you that you rise up and you live up to the potential that God has in store for your life. At Family of Grace, if there's any way that we can help you with that, no matter what group, culture group, ethnic group you may be part of, it is our greatest joy to meet you where you are and help you go where God has a plan for you to be. May the Lord richly bless you this week until we meet again next Sunday.